You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I'm here with the full crew, Dan and Jason. Hey. Howdy. What's going on? All right. Um, we are coming to you. This is our first podcast back from GuildCon 2020, so we have decided to dedicate most of this podcast to the review of our con, which I think, uh, spoiler alert, was pretty darn successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. It was awesome. We had a great time. So, um, I don't know. oh, come on, Dan. <laughs> come on, Dan. Just kidding. Where's the I'm point? joking. I'm <laughs> joking. That was a joke. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into it, Dan, how was your geek week? It was pretty geeky. I did not expect or nor plan to have a very geeky week. Um, so, I, you know, it's COVID and it's not, not that shameful to play a board game on solo mode if it has a solo mode or an AI mode. So, I played Outer Rim. I played Han Solo in Outer Rim, and uh, the AI beat me, which makes it feel stupid. You're like, oh, oh, I've been sitting down here by myself, and this little deck of cards just beat me handily. And I couldn't even—I could have cheated. I could have cheated, but I didn't cheat. It's still, it's still—I was so close to winning. Yeah, the AI knows every time you cheat. Well, the AI technically cheats because it had has much less of a burden to get points on the board. But it's good. It's good. It was it 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 it, it plays well uh, solo mode. What were you saying? Is this the is this a, an app AI or is it just a mechanic AI? It's a it's a deck of cards where ah, you just gotcha. flip it mm-hmm. and you do what it says in in the order that you say it in, and cool. it's, it's prioritized to you know to to focus on certain win conditions, and it does a fine job. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun game. Uh, so because I was got hooked on it, I have a huge, huge collection. Not a huge collection. I have a pretty darn decent collection of Wizards of the Coast Star Wars minis, uh, which are all out of print, which are 1 to 27 scale, which nothing is that scale anymore for some reason. Everything is, you guys that are, that are into minis know that. Yeah. Everything 28 is millimeter, 28 millimeter. Yeah. yeah. So these are smaller minis, but anyway, they're pre-painted. Um, they're not amazing. So I went on eBay and st- because I've been swapping out all the little chits with actual minis of the characters. So I'm watching. Oh, that's cool. I'm watching eBay right now for an IG88 and a Lando Calrissian I have bids on, <laughs> and uh, I'm probably gonna pull the trigger on a Lobot and a Doctor Evanson in a little bit. So nice. um, not Are all they? of the char- not all of the characters, of course, because Watsy lost the license, and then a whole bunch of movies came out. So Sagarera and those guys, you know, have no mini, so you have to find an analog. But I, it works great. It's a little bit more fun with the minis. I also have all the ships from X-wing, and so I can imagine sitting down with everybody and having an array of awesome models. And when you buy it, instead of just getting the plastic card, you get to plop a giant model in front of you. That's pretty cool. It'll probably take up space for no real purpose, but um, might be might be fun. No, there's a cool factor there. That's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because some of those ships look good on the card, but are very that look even better when you can pick them up and and they're tactile, and you get to see the scale difference of them too. Um, some are much much larger. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, stayed up too late. I've also bought lumber uh, and uh, I bought lumber and LED lights for my game table. Um, that is uh, that has just kicked off. I don't have a goal in mind to finish it by a specific date, but I had a goal on Saturday to finish 
um, w- the first step of part one, and I finished my goal and uh, made a lot of mistakes along the way. But hey, man, um, there you go. It's, it's, one it's, day at a time. Every time you make a more ambitious project than the last project you did, it means you're going to teach yourself some new techniques. So absolutely, yeah, teaching myself new tech te- techniques like how to cut. How to do, you know, pocket hole joinery at non ninety degree angles, um, which is good fun. Uh, I also started a new RPG campaign. We hey. my my group that played Destiny, and then we played Android, and then we played Castle von Falkenstein. We just switched back to Edge of the Empire. Um, so that's great. Now that I can calculate exactly how much it costs to go into hyperspace, people don't jump willy nilly over the galaxy. anymore. <laughs> and how much money you have really matters when it's like, I can buy a blaster or go into hyperspace one time. <laughs> so, um, it, it, it actually makes it a lot more like firefly now. So that's fun. Interesting. And that's last, cool. last but not least cortex prime, the multi-genre modular role-playing game Kickstarter, which I funded in oh, March no. of 2017. No, uh-huh. They're still emailing me and oh something they're like, we're, we're here's some digital content for you. And it got bought out by a company and that company, I can't remember because I mostly don't care, um, is putting out uh, the He-Man Masters of the Universe RPG using the Cortex system. And so I was kind of mad when I saw that. I'm like, are they going to come out with He-Man and Masters of the Universe before they fulfill all the Kickstarters for 2017? <laughs> that would be that'd be some I saw up that stuff there. Yeah. yeah, I must say I was pretty excited to return to Grayskull. Yeah, yeah, I'll have the core book by the way, and we're giving we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to do a giveaway. Somebody's going to get my uh, my Cortex Prime mm. book. Sweet. Well, how are you going to know how to run He Man without that book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, when, when, that's one where we bring in all our toys. <laughs> yes, we do. And you know who has them? Nick. He's Nick? got every last one. Does oh, he, he does. Never, he oh never my gosh. with him? Dude, yeah, you want He's got buckets of He-Man toys. That's yep. that's crazy. It's, they're awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah, like Nick. remember the little ones you punch the chest and the chest would flip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good stuff. He's a great collector of of all amazing things. Oh yeah, awesome. Cool. And that's what's going on with me. It was a pretty geeky week actually considering we're coming off the hills of um GuildCon, so I, I was shocked how geeked out I was. Yeah, awesome. Geez. Yeah, that you were fired up, man. There you go. Yeah, it's good stuff. Jason, how was your week? Had had fun, man. I uh, we my wife and I started watching the Umbrella Academy season two. We're in. We are just finished. We just finished uh, episode seven. Okay, so you are ahead of us as yeah. usual. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But my, uh, <laughs> well, any, any, and, and to her credit, right? She wants to like go into seasons like fully prepared. So yeah. when a new season's announced, she'll rewatch the entire first season. She'll like binge oh, the wow. entire okay. first season. Okay. Yeah. So, so she binged the whole first season and then we started um, watching. So I think we're only, I think we're only like, we've only watched three episodes. So oh, wait, I have no, 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 something. My, she's telling me we've only watched two. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Catch up. Okay. So I have something that is not a spoiler, but it's definitely an important thing to think about. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Season one, I'm going back to season one, which is spoiler free here, right? Season one, when they went to number five's past, right? Like he was like in the apocalypse and then he got recruited by that agency to do assassinations for him. 
They said that he was involved in the JFK assassination. And yeah, yeah. lo and behold, season episode one of the Umbrella Academy, they drop him like five days like after oh, JFK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of there. You know, he goes he goes back again and so like they're before JFK, so there's gotta be something that's going on because in season one he was definitely involved in JFK assassination and now here we are season two and that assassination yeah. is looming. Well so, in season one he he decided not to do the assassination. Well, it's unclear. He make oh, he you takes think so? a, he takes a shot and then transports himself back to the present day. Okay. Right? I thought I thought that was his like rebellion. He decided not to do it and then so, to escape. See, yeah, it's it. unclear because he takes a shot and then you hear another shot. Mm-hmm. Right? And that counts for two right. shots, right? <laughs> um and so it was unclear if he was there to kill the president or to protect the president. Right. And did he fail? You know, like nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah, we'll it's find kind out. of it, it's probably a huge red herring. Everybody's like, "Oh, what is this?" You know. So anyway, I honestly, uh, you know, we're we're two seasons in, and uh, I realize that that's the setting, but I haven't even really been thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, well, paying, I didn't think paying about attention it. To everybody, yeah. Listen, I was episode seven, right? And a girl today said, "Didn't he try to kill JFK in the first season?" I had to look it up. That's why I know everything right now. Okay, well, that's interesting because my my memory must be uh, I must have been biased because in my memory he he chose not to take the shot, but. Uh, I think you're right. I didn't. I didn't binge the first season uh, in prep for the second one. Right. But anyways. Yeah. So we. St- <laughs> I was so just we giving st- you guys a hard time. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we started watching uh, that. Um, also, uh, in in, I forced my wife to finish Devs so that we could have a philosophical debate, <laughs> and oh, we did, nice. and it was. It was you very guys really good. know how to spice it up. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta keep it alive. Hey man. baby. Keep it going. We're gonna have a. Philosophical debate. Yeah, let's talk about determinism. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was fun. We actually uh, uh, we discussed it a lot. To my wife's credit, um, when she finished it, uh, you know, Justin, because you and I talked offline about it a bit. Yeah. And when she finished it, I said, "What you think?" We had like an hour conversation. We did. We should have recorded it. <laughs> I know. We we did. So we so I go to my wife and I said, "So what'd you think?" And she starts coming up with all these um, all these analyses, and I'm like. I'm like, man, you're smarter than I am, babe. Because she was like figuring all this stuff out without having to talk through it like you and I did. Yeah. She's like coming to the, saying some of the same stuff we were. And we're not going to make this a spoiler episode, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it I'll tell you, though, it's the pace of like Blade Runner style um, uh, science fiction stuff because she was like the second to last episode and like i don't know if i can do this it's way too slow and i said to baby you just got to stick with it you got to yeah. stick with it you forced her You're to watch hit that pay dirt. you yeah. will hit pay dirt and once she yeah. and once it once that it kind of started rolling in that second to last episode man afterwards she was like really she told me she was really glad she she went through it with it yeah so i highly recommend you push through if you're struggling to get through it we were kicking around the idea that we might do a devs review episode yeah um, but we need dan to we need dan to watch it so i'll I'll see if i can commit to that you guys have me very tantalized and if it has nick (laughs) offerman i'm halfway there yeah Uh, he's great in it too yes i mean and a testament to his acting skills to be able to fill a completely different role than um what what he's kind of known Swanson. for yeah yep, than Ron Swanson he's been he's been a little uh, typecast yeah I mean totally different role than Juan, Ron Swanson yep 
uh, and does an amazing job at it Absolutely. too. Um, so the next thing I did was I uh, designed a coffee gaming table uh, as Woo! a prototype to my um, my big table. Um, and uh, it, it went really well. And I will say that, you know, I, uh, Saturday we went and bought some wood, came home by Saturday night. Um, um, a little bit into Sunday I had built the thing, the main thing, and had already completely redesigned it. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so I built the whole thing, <clears throat> except for, you know, actually like cutting out the top and everything. I built no. the whole thing, then I came back upstairs and uh, started from scratch and redesigned the whole thing to make it like way easier to build you and didn't, like, a little bit cleaner. commit with like glue or screws or anything. Oh, no, I built the whole thing. It, totally <laughs> it was done. And done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. It's still going to make a great coffee table in our room. Uh, and I showed Annie. I, I got it sanded down and everything, and she she even likes it. Says it's going to be a great addition. But I just redid it in case I ever wanted to do it again. I would make it easier to build. So it doesn't look much different. The redesign doesn't look much different. It's more of a build redesign. Like the well, steps, the process steps. Yeah. So it really was more of a lessons learned. Yeah, and that was the point, is I used it for a... Yeah, for a prototype to learn some lessons so that when when, I, when it was time to do the big one, you know, I could convert my designs based on what I learned. Kind of what Dan was saying earlier, mm -hmm. how you yeah. take on a new project and you learn stuff about it. Yeah, and I the piece of the project that I did on Sunday was to teach myself how to do an important piece later on. And mm -hmm. what I did now is going to be covered up with plywood and it'll be underneath and no one will ever see it. So no one will see my mistakes, but now I'm less likely to make those mistakes. Yeah, and that's the exact... On the part that shows. Yeah, and that's the exact concept I had here. Is I wanted, to, I was trying to figure out how do I do the vault. Like it's easy to look into a table and say, "Oh, there's a vault. It's two inches down from the top." But the question is, how do you mount? You know, how do you create the framing structure to be able to hold that vault such that it has sufficient, you know, uh, structure and integrity, in case some some dude puts his hands in and leans in on it or something. You know, it doesn't just pop out of the bottom. Yeah. And so and so I was exploring the coffee table I was exploring. So my vault in the coffee table is only like one and a half inches deep. So this is basically just like a card table. Like I'm going to put a little bit of felt yeah. down in it and you can just, you know, if you want to sit around in front of the TV and just play like a hand of cards while you're watching TV, that's what it'll be for. But well, uh, mainly it'll probably have the top on hmm. all the time. I just wanted to explore with the vault. But anyways, that was my gaming uh, week. And oh, yeah, and I started um, my geek week and I started... Started planning for my Adeptus Sororitas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so why did you say that AKA like a weird Sisters Italian? of Battle, because I would, thought it would be fun and would make me laugh. <laughs> it did. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> my Sisters of Battle. I'm planning to make a Sisters of a 40K Sisters of Battle. Oh, 40K. Okay. Good. Yeah, I probably should have said it more like a Latin tongue, but I don't know how to do that. Well, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it like the in the grim dark of the future, there's a lot of kind of fake uh, Latin. Yeah. So this uh, is I guess Italian would have been better. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Italian. So adeptus sororitas. Is sororitas. The, yeah, like sorority, adeptus sororitas. Right, the sisters. So do you like oh, the Family cool. Guy? I beat Yeah. See, you guys are are gonna do 40k then. Yeah, we're moving to 40k. Yeah, man. Holy crap. Screw yeah. this uh, AOS Mortal Wound <laughs> dish out. We're going to 40K where it's just bullets and more bullets. Oh, yeah, oh, and, those, uh, those new additions are always very tempting. Yeah. Yes, they are. They new addition. That's kind of the thing, man. I said, hey, there's a new addition. Changes some things. We heard a lot of, I don't know we, I don't know about you, Justin, but I heard a lot of flack from the last edition. How it kind of created a like some some broken metas that if you didn't play those metas, you would not do well at all. In tourneys and stuff, so 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think I think what happened is um, in the beginning. So ninth edition, and Garrett and I talked about this on one of our old podcasts, right? Ninth edition was kind of a is a more polished eighth edition, like it's more well thought through, and it's kind of taking its lessons learned, you know. So it's it's really kind of a, an eight point five, hmm. um, but it is a ninth edition, and there's some really great things about it. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, I played my first game this week actually of Warhammer Forty K on Tabletop Simulator. And I saw firsthand why I believe that the ninth edition Warhammer 40k is a superior game to Age of Sigmar right now. Oh man, that's fighting yeah. words about fighting like with little yeah. plastic fighters. It is, and, and I've I've been a little hesitant to drop that bomb into our Whoa. our gaming chats, Jason, because I know there's some diehard AOS enthusiasts. We just lost fifty of our listeners. <laughs> just, just was that really just... worth it? Is it worth it? <laughs> Well, here's the, here's the thing, right? Like, and Justin, you and I have talked about this. Is with Age of Sigmar in the in the we have a pretty good community in the area, but still, yeah. it's like you got one night a week you can kind of grab a game. Uh huh. And with 40k, there are so many more options to get games in in the local yep. area. Yep. Because so many more people play the game. Um, we, I would when, say the players of 40k to Age of Sigmar, if you were just to take the Las Vegas mm-hmm. Open attendance into account it's almost 10 to 1 10 40k players to every one age of sigmar player and just like anything if you get you know the more numbers you get behind it the more the more statistics you're going to get which allow the company behind it the opportunity it won't say that they will or not but the opportunity to have the data to refine that game more you're all just a bunch of sheep Yeah, listen. I, I played the I played a new uh, the, my first game of 40k, and um, one of the things that just thoroughly impressed me was the way that they handled the objectives and scoring points in the game. Because um, the way it works is that you have primary objectives that you gotta you know move your troops to and secure those objectives on the battlefield, but they only count for half of your score. Yeah. The other half is made up through these secondary objectives that you had. And so I chose three of them. Like one of them was that like I had to um, put some homing beacons down or something like that, you know, and I'm putting, I'm using air quotes here. So um, in any of my turns, I had a, a troop in my wholly within my area in kind of the non, you know, no man's land. And then another troop in the enemy's area and they couldn't do anything like attack during that move. They were setting up homing beacons. And if I did it in all three of them, then I got 15 points, which was a third of my secondaries total. Um, and so there's kind of these like mini missions that you're trying to do while you're also trying to secure the primary objectives. And secondaries, if, if, you've, if any war gamer is listening to us, secondaries is not a new concept. Like they've been around forever. Jason, you and I are familiar with them, like in the mm-hmm. tournament scene. Uh, you know, you choose these secondaries, and it helps kind of distinguish the better generals from, you know, the weaker generals. And I say generals, that's the players. Because, um, you know, if you can not only win the game, but also do it with by capturing all of your secondaries, like, that's how you distinguish yourself with points in a tournament. Um, they have set this up so that uh, it's going to be the points on the table that determines winners of tournaments not strength of schedule, which I think is a huge change. Um, And for those that don't know, what happens is like if I, if Jason and I are playing in a tournament 
and we both have, uh, you know, we've both won our games. We both maxed out our secondaries. The tiebreaker between us winning the game will be how well our opponents did in their subsequent games. And the problem with that is that it could be luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. In the first round, Jason could have gotten a really, really difficult opponent and beat him. And I could have gotten a really easy one and beat him. And even though we both went 5-0 and and maxed out our points, he would win because he had a harder, harder path. Yeah. Which sounds fair, but there's nothing that I, as a player, could do about it. I played the best that I could, and I right. still, you know, can win. But now the the way that the 40k stuff is set up, it is set up so that the points on the table will determine it absolutely. And I think that's pretty cool. I'm yeah, familiar with some concept. other games that the jettison strength of schedule in favor of points, and that strength of schedule is only used as a tertiary tiebreaker. Right. Which is rare. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's I think this is some some great changes with it. I think that those changes have made the missions way more interesting, much more strategic. Like I have to think about a lot more things going on, and I think what it'll do is it'll you know the it'll refine refine the dross out of the tournaments and you know in terms of like the lesser generals will kind of go to one side, and the creme de la creme will rise to the top, and um, I think that it'll uh, be a more enjoyable game for for people so Mm -hmm. i i liked it i'm planning to um play again this weekend and i signed up for a alpha league that basically does five games in five weeks and you know you kind of play against round robin against these other people and then like at the end of the league the top two players in your little pot are are promoted and the top people or the bottom people in the pot above you are demoted essentially so or relegated you know, so it's got kind of this uh, competitive tier, and they kind of do multiple seasons. I'm kind of excited about it because it's something to do during COVID. With well, it, you know, and and you guys are getting in on the ground floor of a of a revamp game, and there's all that is way more fun than playing a game that has kind of long in the tooth and has developed some some statistical barnacles. You know, there's 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 rocks you can overturn and, and unlock the things that the developers haven't discovered yet. So. Um, good mm-hmm. on you. I'm, yeah. I'm excited for you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I've got several other things I did this week, but I'm interested in talking about GuildCon. I'm going to be honest Let's with you guys. Let's do that. Let's do it. So we're going to skip the news today. We just have way too much GuildCon 2020 content. Um, for our listeners, uh, the last podcast that we had out there, we were obviously hyping up GuildCon 2020. What it basically was is a group of us were super bummed out that um, Gen Con was canceled, that the Nova Open was canceled, that pretty much any gaming convention from here to probably next summer is going to be canceled. So we said, you know what? Uh, the numbers in North, Northern Virginia for COVID are really low comparatively. People are doing well, like wearing their masks and being safe. So um, we have uh, in our area the okay to have some social gatherings up to 250 people, which we didn't do. Um, <laughs> we did not do that, but we had the authorization to have large social gatherings. So we decided to have a small, modest gaming convention. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Which is um, basically a, a, an extended group of friends. Yep. Descending on Jason's basement for yep. four days. Yeah. <laughs> so we started last Wednesday, or I guess it was two Wednesdays ago. Um. On the, on the 5th of August, and we played through the 8th of August that Saturday. 
and it was jam-packed 14 to 15 hours a day of gaming. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. We had anywhere from uh, some days, some mornings, it was just four people. Other times it was, you know, 10 to 11 people was probably our max, I think. And I think, you know, it could have been, we had a couple people that had to drop out at the last because we did have a requirement that said if you've had any sickness in your house or if you have been exposed, you know, in any way, you know, thanks, but uh, next time. And we had a couple people that were honest and and said, you know, hey, you know, my wife's not feeling well or something and I just, you know, we got to play it good. But even with those dropouts and a couple games canceled because one of our GMs got sick, um, we still had a great turnout. We had a ton of games that we played. Uh, it was really great. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was as. I mean, I think it was as fun as a Gen Con because we got to dictate kind of what games we played. One of the things that we did early on was set up kind of a schedule that people could sort of register for games that they wanted to. We had, you know, one part of the of the basement was sort of the games library that you could pull off any game on the shelf and play it with some friends. But then we also had like an RPG running at the same time or a dedicated board game um, that, you know, takes a little bit more setup uh, uh, running at the same time or something like that. And um, that allowed the GMs to prepare for their games or no, you know, people to know like, okay, I need to bring dark souls this morning, or I need to bring descent, this afternoon or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, so we did have a schedule and people registered for it. And I think that that helped a lot, um, put some structure around it, which I think was needed, especially for some of the more complicated games. It was too big to do it casually. We had other small convent, other like gaming groups, our gaming group get together and do mini cons in the past. And there were times where everybody sits around and picks a game that was not that would have not have been that would not have worked for a group as as large as you had and and mm. as a diverse too right cuz we had a bunch of people who were only into board games and other people who really only wanted to play rpgs yes you know and so had you had we not planned for you know both of those then we would have had some people said well that was okay you know but i think that m- most everybody got what they wanted out of the out mm-hmm. of the con yeah, one group even got an all-day Axes and Allies game in. Yeah. Which is the only yeah. way to play Axes and Allies. It's the, well, yeah, the only way. You have to. It's the only way to fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's get into some of the games we played. What did, what did we do? Uh, so, if we go down the list of board games, uh, Descent First Edition was probably the MVP game that got played. How many times did it get played? Two times. Just two times? Two oh, times. okay. Just yeah, but times. granted, those were, one time was for four hours, and another time was about six hours. Jeez. Was it well, six hours? I wasn't no. quite six. No, because we had a late lunch that day, so it yeah, was I think, five, I think it, it was, was also about, about five, four and four a half. Four and a half, five, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a dungeon crawling game, which was in the dungeon room, by the way. Yeah. Let's talk we about had. the dungeon room. Let's talk about what Jay did to make a utility room in his basement totally awesome. So before he made it the dungeon, I mean, we did call it the dungeon, but it was really a kill room, right? That's where you would go to kill people. That's right. Yeah, it, it definitely had a saw vibe. That it was did. what was behind the curtain. So, so, so to paint a picture here, in the corner, for some unknown reason, <laughs> there's a curtain that's made of sheer like linen fabric, so you can kind of see through it still. Ooh. And it's probably about three feet wide and, I don't know, seven feet long or something like that. 
and yeah. it's hanging from the beams, right? Because it's an unfinished basement. Yeah. But it only pulls out like three feet. So <laughs> it's like, what is this covering? Like, what this is this covering? This came cover? with the house. This came yeah. in the house when we bought it. And <laughs> we haven't taken it down. What? I, was I the realized what it was, Jason. Thinking? I don't know. I know what it was. That's where the people go when they're doing the Blair Witch camera work. That's where they go to stand in the corner. Yeah. Right? That's where they're standing in the corner. So they, Jay, and they got a little they got a little curtain. A little so privacy. You're painting a picture I didn't see that I didn't see anything of what you're talking about. Well that was about. behind that was behind like everything behind. we set up. Yeah. So you yeah. set up you built frames out of one by one wood and P V C pipe, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh yeah, it was just uh two by two fairing boards. Two by two fairing boards and you bought these tapestries of brick walls and one of a knight fighting a dragon. Yeah. And so the we were in an unfinished basement that had faux, um, you know, uh, old uh, medieval stone-hewn walls. And then in the center of it, behind where the DM sat, there was a dragon raining fire down on a knight. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was um, that, happy was, with that, that made out. it feel very like a con yeah. instead of guys hanging out in a buddy's kitchen because his, his family left town. Yeah, <laughs> or in an unfinished basement, which would have been a different level of creepy. A murder basement. Uh, a murder basement. Yeah, murder, exactly. a murder basement. And he, yeah. I mean, he put down some, uh, Jason, you threw down some, you know, carpet or some rugs yeah, down a lot there of too. Rugs down so there, yeah. we weren't sitting, you know, we didn't have like bare feet on a cement floor type of thing. You know, I was really comfy. And one thing that Jason did do, and this was very accommodating, I was not, and Mike, you're going to have to forgive me here, but I was not in favor of having somebody <laughs> remote in for RPGs. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, just one person remote in for RPGs. We've done remote, you know, COVID remote RPGs with everybody. And I, my feeling was if everybody is remote, it works. If one person's remote, it doesn't work that well. Well, I stand corrected, Jason. You pulled it off, dude. Well, and cool. Mike, Mike knows how. To, Mike, Mike gets it. He's we. Yeah. We were doing remote RPGs with Mike six, seven years ago. As soon as yeah. he moved away, so it's not his first rodeo of how to be effective in that environment. Right. As long yeah. as he doesn't invite three people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Which we've been there too. Once. We've been there too. <laughs> Mike, you're not allowed to invite anybody yeah. on your side of the, the, the your side of the country. Jason had uh, like a 40, 45 inch, forty four inch TV uh, set up. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. With like a webcam mounted to it and a microphone in the middle of the table, so Mike was sitting right there at the end of the table. Yeah, he was there with us. As if, as if we were all there too. So, I think the TV was sized right, so I mean, like his it was. his his picture was the same profile as one of us sitting at the table. I, yeah, exactly. So it wasn't like we were talking into a laptop. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it worked I out think, pretty good. I think that that made all the difference, and it worked out. Yeah, it was cool. Well done. Uh, I, well and done. I still have those tapestries yeah. downstairs on the frames. I'm like, should I take these frames apart? I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna keep this stuff up. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Until your wife comes down there and goes. What is your what? problem? Yeah. That's supposed to be the exercise room. I'm like, is it going to be the dungeon exercise room? Like, there's all sorts of stretches we can do on this board right here. And... Listen, they say they say workouts can be torture. Well, depends on what kind of leather straps you Careful. get for the basement. Careful. Draw your thoughts. Oh, uh, yeah, Anyways, it was, was good. Fun. So Descent was Descent was a big hit. Yeah. Um, Deep Madness, we played yeah. that. Oh, my gosh, we beat the first chapter of Deep Madness. Which, oh. listen, I know that you were kind of saying, like, I don't know if we totally... We did. We did it. We did, we did it. it. <laughs> no, Dude, and it came down to... it. That's one of those games where 
it was a co-op game against you know a, a very difficult uh, AI, and it came down to like the last roll. It did, absolutely. Or the last turn. The last turn. Yeah. Yep. And those are the best kind, man. Those are the best kind. So rewarding. At which also we played Dark Souls, another punishing game. Yep. Yeah. But we actually did. We really had a good theme. We kind of had a theme in our morning, our morning sessions because there was only like four or five of us for pretty mm-hmm. much every morning session except for Saturday. Yeah. And so we decided to choose sort of the low player count games that were tough to beat, but they're co-op. And I feel like it set a nice tone for the day. Like we weren't. <laughs> well, I mean, just listen. start with abusing everyone's psyche. I mean, yeah, there's that part. Of it. <laughs> there's that part. Of it. But we did. I mean, we were working together hard. So there was some camaraderie that there was being go. built yep. up as we were trying to, you know, work through these things. Hey, listen, we utterly defeated the gargoyle in Dark Souls. In Dark Souls. Yeah, we did pretty good. I think we've had. I think three of us had enough experience with the game to like to make the right choices at the beginning. Yep. To get a setup for that. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that was a that was a great game. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, Terraforming fun. Mars was another one that we played. So the three of us have played that. Dan, had you ever played that one before? Yeah, I played it once before with, with one experienced player and a table of inexperienced players, and the experienced player <laughs> did well. <laughs> I could so see how that would work. I did yeah. a little bit better this time um, than I did the first time. Isn't this the first time you played it, Justin? It was, yep. And Dude, you like creamed us. Uh, listen, I had the stars align with my with my hand of cards, with and card listen, pool. and yeah. and here's the thing is is uh, uh, Jonathan Terry who brought it wasn't his game, but he's run it enough times at uh, John's game nights. Yeah, he Great set guy, it up and and he said, hey, here here's your corporations, choose one, um, but also you know he did kind of the house rule where he dealt ten cards first, and he said, look at this, and then look at your cards and decide like where your synergy is. And I knew right away, like, the synergy was in plants. So I had a plan, literally, from b- before the game started. And that's so the house helped. rule broke the game. Well, I don't know if it broke no, the game. Because you guys had the opportunity to do that. It accelerated the game. Yeah, it just, I agree. It just, accelerated. Gotcha. What it did is it didn't put a cash strain on you to get keep your options open in the first right. round. Yeah, it's a fun game. I, I will say I did not remember how to score in that game until it was too late. But I still had a lot of fun uh, yeah. playing it. Yeah, yeah. I, It was I, still fun. I remembered how to score, so I did a little bit better. I'm like, <laughs> I got to build some crap here. I don't... Yeah. It's pretty well, I was boring. I like focusing on my cards, not even paying attention yeah. to Mars. And at the end, Dan's like, you do know this is called terraforming. Mars. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. It's the cones right. of Dunshire. <laughs> it's about the cones. That's yeah. right. So, so that's the thing is like I did not realize how valuable those trees were. Oh man! And then, yeah. and then, literally, when Dan was like, "You know, you got to terraform Mars," I'm like, "It was one of those. It was one of those Zoolander moments where I'm like, the files, files are, are in, in the computer. computer. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa! I totally get it now. I'm terraforming Mars." <laughs> it was so meta for me, and yeah. I was like, "Wow, that's how you win the game," you know. So yeah, now I know how to win the game. You got to build lots of trees. Yeah. There are lots of trees. Yep. Uh, we also played Gunfights and Gambling, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Fun little indie game. Have we talked about that game? We did. We talked about it when the because uh, there's an expansion now that extends it to five people, six people. 
I think okay. it extends it to six people. When that I'm so glad that mentioned. guy we met at a Catagon. He's like, hey, this is my game, and I'm publishing it. We're like, okay. And we played it, and it was good. And he's still going and putting out uh, Still modules, going. So that's Listen, good on we, him. Dan, you weren't there for this day, but it was – uh, is Jim, John, Jason, and Justin the Jays? <laughs> no wonder I was clearly yeah. not invited. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, we were playing it sort of as like a like, hey, we got like ten minutes before lunch. Let's play this game. And literally, the game came down to the dice roll at the end. Like literally, the dice roll. It was at a the shootout. End. It was a shootout. It was a shootout. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> Nice. And it was like you get you both of them kept missing each other, right? So it was like do do do, and then like at <laughs> the very end, John got Jim, and and you guys won. It was a great. It was like a great ending to that it's game. It's great when you have a game where you roll the dice and everyone's watching it roll, and then when it stops, everyone jumps up and screams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Like, for okay, for one reason or another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was worth Whether the price it's a win of admission. Yeah, that's yeah. why we do this hobby is those moments. Yes, sir. And, uh, and that game, ahead. I just want to say real quick, that game, if, if for our listeners who haven't gotten it or, or use it, I think it's like $25, $30 out there to get, yeah. right? Uh-huh. And it is it is such a very balanced game. We need to post a link to it because um, I, I remember meeting the developer, and he, mm-hmm. he was fantastic. And that was one of the few things from a catacon that I, I I really have a really positive memory about. So yeah. I think I need to, I definitely need to buy it just to throw him some cash. So it's easy to remember. It's mid level. Well, maybe it's not easy to remember now that I'm looking at. It, but mid level meeple MLM mid level meeple. That's right. We'll put it in the uh, description. So if you yeah. guys want to check it, you should check it out. It's a great. It's super balanced. Like. Jason conveniently forgot a rule until about halfway through. That, well, no, uh, I forgot a scoring mode, not a rule. A sc- yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of a rule. That's right? true. <laughs> uh, and uh, he forgot a scoring mode for us, and so it wasn't until halfway through that Jim and I figured out, oh, yes, we can still win this game because we were felt hopeless. But once that principle was in play, all of a sudden it was like, this game is super balanced. Oh, it's extremely – it feels unbalanced at first, but then when you get to the end, you realize, oh, man, it – Every every game I play comes right down to the knuckle, right? Like just it's great. Yeah, a lot of fun, and you can play it in fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Easy, so good game, good game. So speaking of quick games, uh, the next one we have on our list that we played was Dungeon Mayhem, with the Monster Mayhem expansion. I was dubious of this game at first. I was a little dubious. I'm like, I don't know. This seems like a weird D&D skin of a game. You know how sometimes yeah. like someone will throw a skin on a game and you're like, okay. You know, they just wanted to sell <laughs> they just wanted to sell this and, you know, they threw D&D. I had a great time with it. It was good. It was a good game. It was fun. Here's the thing. It's got to be played. I had fun too, but it's got to be played with like 3 to 5 people. Cuz oh, Jim and, you guys were finishing up a game and Jim and I Jim was like, "Hey, let's play this game." So we put it out the game literally played itself. At one point, neither of us had cards in our hand, and we would just draw and throw the card down. And uh, then it was his turn, he'd draw and throw the card down. Uh, and it went like that, that for like 10 minutes. That's like, like playing Dude, Uno with stop. two people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It's, it's definitely like a three to five player game. But it was fun with a lot of people. You know, I would, I would not hesitate to compare this game to a kind of Uno. You no, know? Yeah. In, no, yeah. That, that's the I mean, it's, it's, it's very simple, yeah. Yeah. But, but it was... It's a lot of fun. It's there's no real matching. It's more like 
shoot, right. do damage. They're, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just fun. It's like, hey, you like D and D? You want to be a barbarian? Just hit that guy, do three damage, boom, done. Let's yeah. not complicate things. And so I, there's I, no I, goofy I like, stuff mixed in to make it interesting. Too. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. That the they had some fun things about it, right? So like, I was a beholder. And one of my special cards is my gaze card, and I would look at each player, and they had to compliment me, or else they'd take two damage. Yeah, you were right? you were the female teenage beholder. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, do you have something nice to say to me, Dan? It sounds like you have you teenage know? females in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so there's there's some fun stuff with that, and um, I do like the mechanic. There was a mechanic where if you died, you stuck around as a ghost. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> and then you gotta just say like, you take a point of damage, like you were just haunting that person. Yeah. Uh, that so. was a good mechanic. I really like that mechanic. It yeah. is a good. To be me- added to a lot of ga- elimination games, you're not really eliminated. You can just well. abuse the person who killed you. Yes. Yeah. It is a good mechanic. It's also a dangerous mechanic in games that take themselves seriously. Yeah, that's true. Because, oh yes. Because yeah, yes. it can Yeah, it can mean that the people who lose can have people who lose can have a a, a weight after loss in who determining who the winner is. <laughs> and that's proven to be very da- a dangerous mechanic in a lot of games. Monopoly, one of those. <laughs> Because when you're on the way out Monopoly, you know, it can be very clear, okay, you're not yeah. going to win. You can mortgage everything to the person you want to beat yep. the other person at the table. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we call that in the business crony capitalism. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we, we're going to give this one a thumbs up. It, it was oh, good. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't take itself seriously. You can tell by the art. It's just goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Dan, you brought a good one, Call to Adventure. Call to Adventure is fun. We've talked about it before on this podcast. Yeah. You know, it's the Joseph Campbell in a in a card game. It was it, Justin and I sat down and played it mano a mano. Had a good enough time that we played it twice in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in I think our, I think my first story was better. I couldn't find synergy in my second one. It just wasn't as good. You know what was cool is I <clears throat> I took a break from the really long descent game and uh, came out at one point. And uh, you guys were like, you were like, Jason, Jason, let us tell you our stories. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a little of that because you get kind of invested. You get invested yeah. in a character, and it was, it's, and it's, it's fun. Cool. They were good stories, right, Jason? They were great stories. And yeah, they worked out really well. The randomization element in that game is runes, double-sided runes, right? And when yeah. I first got it, I was like, runes, really. These are coin tosses. These are 50-50 probability things. You get into it. You just don't care. You're like, yes, throw the bones. Yes, okay, all right. (laughs) Throw the bones. That's exactly what it feels like. Throw the bones. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I was telling Jason earlier that I really liked playing it with you, Dan, but it would have been more fun with two other people, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we were were just using it as a stopgap waiting for another game, which it's perfect for. It's like, oh, well, these guys aren't going to be done. For an hour, we can play this in forty-five minutes and have a good time without yep. just s- staring at each other and, and jawing our our gums. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. I think four players, it would have made things a little bit easier because there's ways that you can sometimes use other people's runes. Yeah. To do things, you know, and that would have, I think, added a little bit of variability. And, um, you know, you get some different combinations. Like if I'm going after all the same runes, like you're gonna have to adapt your play style. 
um, to accommodate that because those cards that you need probably won't be on the table. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I think with two people, there was enough choice out there that it was easy to be like, okay, I'm, my path is clear, mm-hmm. you know. But I think if you got four people in there, it, it, it would interject a, an element of uh, strategy that you don't get with two people. And uh, it it has co-op and uh, solo modes as well. So. The co- co-op might be a cool thing. And you know what, yeah. Dan? We probably should have tried the co-op like our second round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I don't think we were... Yeah, I think we added the allies for second round because they have yep. a couple module rules in there. It's like, okay, throw these cards out when you're learning how to play, then bring these cards in. And that game has two other skins on it. There's three versions of that game out there. I'm not really familiar with the two others. So it's not like one that one of them doesn't have is, legs. One of them is Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive series, which is The Way of Kings. Mm. So um, it's you know he's got four books out for that right now. Was and he a Wheel of Time? One of the Wheel of he Time was, art he authors. Finished, he picked it yep. up. Yeah, he picked it up and finished it. Yeah. So he started his own quote unquote Wheel of Time, which is the Stormlight Archive, and a new book is coming out this November, which I'm totally psyched for. Good. Um, but uh, that's got skinned for this, and one of our friends, Casey, has uh, picked that up. So I can't wait to play that one with him. Yeah, yeah. And you can jump right in, and there's less of yep. a learning curve. I, I, th- telling... I think there's a real art to casual games, because yep. in 45 minutes, you can feel like you've played an RPG for a year on a character in 45 minutes. And it actually feels meaningful, because it was a struggle to get there. So yeah. I, I think it's a, a really quality quality you know, design of a game. And I was telling Dan as we were playing it, that this is the kind of game I think that my wife would like because it's casual. It doesn't feel competitive in the moment, right? Like maybe I take a card or maybe Dan takes a card that I need. That's fine. There's other cards on the table that I can get, you know? Um, And I just have to kind of adapt. And there is a clear winner at the end. I mean, you count up points that you have and there's a winner, but really at the end, like you kind of tell your story and it's um, usually the person with the most points has kind of a more clear line of a story. They've done a good job of that. And I think that my wife, who is not 100% competitive like I am in games, um, would very much enjoy a game like this where there's, you know, it's not super competitive. But for me to play it with her, I still feel like there's an element of competitiveness that keeps me engaged. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we definitely have slated that one for a uh, a couple's night because it's a four-player game. Yeah, ton of fun. Speaking of of competitive, we had a uh, we had a three-round Warcry tournament, mini Warcry tournament. Oh, that ended up being a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, to be honest, that was the highlight of the whole my whole time. That was the oh really yeah cool. It was my favorite thing we did. We that uh, the the narrative that I wrote was a little bit cheesy, but they kind of have to be, you know what I mean for for the thing. And um, we broke it up into two teams. You had the chaos factions versus the I called them the coalition factions, which were just you know basically anyone not chaos. And um, we did sort of a little round robin um, tournament. Uh, tournament's not right. It was a narrative campaign, mm-hmm. and uh, you know like if the uh, if the coalition won one round and then the chaos, you know, if more coalition won in one round, then that decided who won that round. And, you know, as first it came down to Dan's game at the very end, Dan and Jason. Yes. Yeah, it did. Uh, That's it was right. Me yep. versus you. 
<laughs> and so it came down to your guys' game. Dan pulled it out with a rampaging log move from a, a brute orc. Man, what a powerful move, too. Yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't have got it had I not rolled a natural quad on the dice. I got four of a kind yep. on a five... Uh, 5d6 or 6d6 and uh, yeah. just just went well wonder what this game mechanic does four must be good <laughs> yeah. right. right let's see kill move kill move yeah kill. No, this exactly. seems like a pretty good thing so dan i know that this is your second time playing it you played it first when we got it and we're still working through the rules and figuring out how, what to do um what do you think of the mechanics of warcry i i i enjoy it as far i played a lot of like i've been playing Tabletop minis in one form or another since uh, we're talking 1989, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of seen a lot over the years, and there's things I like about it, things I don't like about it. Um, but I like um, I like Warcry. Um, you know, once you go up the learning curve, you have a command of what's happening, and it feels like you can control the outcome. And then the ter- tide of battle can turn very quickly, which is really, really cool. Yeah. So uh, it's not highly predictable. It does, You don't feel, if if things are not going well, you don't feel like you're circling the drain on a toilet. Um, you, there is ways to, to you know, pull, pull a win. You can rescue uh, uh, success from the jaws of failure. So mm-hmm. um, I, I like it. And you guys do such a great job on the minis and the terrain. It's very immersive. And I, I, I'm, I would play that anytime you guys want to do a Warcry game. Let me know. I'm, I'm down for it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that the way that they do their, you know, attacks and things like that, um, an underpowered army may not be as strong as like another one. Like, so my night hunt going against the orcs, right? Um, the orcs are tougher, so I'm going to have to be hitting on dice rolls of fives and sixes. But I think that the fact that sixes are always critical hits, no matter what can keep you in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I like that the I like that there is a natural um, kind of percentage that you're going to get based on like if I'm rolling three three and above to hit, I'm going to be hitting a lot more and doing a lot more damage in general, versus someone who's only hitting up fives and sixes. But you know what? You can come away with rolling three sixes on a dice and utterly destroying a model. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that is a great element of it because, as you said, Dan, like you may feel like things are going great, but it could turn against you, or then it could whip around again and turn in your favor just as quickly. You know, um, I, there's enough element how... of strategy in there and uh, and probability that I think makes it work well. I, I love how simple it is. You know, you someone who you know plays uh, more complicated, larger scale tabletop games to come to something like Warcry where it's you know there's no save there's no armor save there's no feel no pain there's none of that stuff it's just what's your toughness okay what's my strength okay so I'm hitting on fives and sixes yeah and you just roll the dice and if it's a five it's a hit and how much damage well it's right there on the card yep two super you know? easy and it's just oh my gosh it is just so quick to play so easy there's like no complicated math. You could even just put a table there that says if his toughness is two and mine is three, then you know my strength. It's just so easy to play. And you know, I had a coworker come down, uh, Christian, and he by the way, he... shout out to faithful listener Christian. Yes. Yeah. And I played yeah. Christian. I think he beat me. And he, uh, man, he. I think he said the same thing. Next time we have a war try, war cry tournament, he's down for yeah. it. So 
It's just I, such I think a fun of all game the games, play. this was the one he liked the most too. Although he was totally into the RPGs as well. Yeah, we had, the deep. So. We had a good time. He pl- he played with the deep madness uh, with yep. this too. Let me ask you, Justin, how long was each round? Because you know when you're playing the game, I lose track of time. So how long was each one? Um, I did it for about fifty minutes each. Yeah, and that's perfect, man. Be able to sit down at the table and play a yeah. tabletop minis game for fifty minutes and have yeah. an outcome. That's yep. satisfying. Yes, yeah. and it wasn't and that so, many rounds. You were lucky to get to a fourth round. Yep. Yeah, I noticed that we were getting all getting faster in the third one. Like we were in the fourth mm-hmm. round in the, you know, we got maybe second round in the first one. You know, it took people kind of a yeah, little bit to figure true. out like uh-huh. how their stuff worked. Um, I would I saved ten minutes for table switching and kind of the narrative story. You know, the like the next adventure that we're doing and a little bit of explanation. And then it was about 45 to 50 minutes of gameplay. You know? And I, I so. think I think at ending the first round abruptly and like, okay, you know, round is over, time it up. And everybody's like, oh, but, 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 uh, but I, yeah, but like, I, nope. no, and that's a really good thing, you know, because I've played competitively, you know, and that's what it is. You, you get as yeah. far as you get in the time and that's, nice that's your time. And now the time is over, who wins? And it's not yep. about what you were about to do. It's about what you actually got done. So that was great. Yeah, yeah. good time. So that, that was uh, kudos to you, Justin, for setting that up. That yeah, was a lot kudos. Of fun. That was that for me because I didn't. I only went to two days. That was the highlight of my two days. Awesome. I'm I'm happy to hear that. And Jason and I were talking that um, we've got the makings of many other war bands. So yeah, I we really do. We do. It's kind of crazy. So I think that the next time we do this, um, I think that we could have you know. Uh, more than six we could have eight to ten if we really you know pushed ourselves well and it'd be cool you know <clears throat> they've got another ter- they have two more no they have another terrain set actually i think they do have two more terrain sets um get the mausoleum yeah, one in yep. you know the snow cold one or something get that yep. spray airbrushed up real quick and you know you have one battle on uh, the planes or whatever it is and then the next battle you have you're in a totally different setting and it just would really add to the immersion i think in the storytelling yeah, uh, the narrative. I agree. So yeah, we're definitely gonna do this again. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I can't. I can't wait to play with more people. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, we played another game, uh, Selfish, which has s- several different types of skins on it. The skin that I have, of course, is the zombie skin. Uh, you're, um, can you say that a little louder? I can't hear you. Yeah, you're kind of fitting in and out. Oh, am I? I apologize. Selfish um, has many different skins on it. Uh, the one that I have is the zombies skin, of course. And uh, that game uh, is a fun game where you're all racing. You all start kind of at the bottom of a ladder, and you're trying to race up this virtual ladder to get to the helicopter. Um, and you can play cards against each other. It's a really simple game, honestly. Oh, that's um, not by design a zombie game. That's that's another no, game that uh-uh. is skin zombie. Yeah, so there, there's a space skin, a space survival skin. Um, I don't remember what the original skin was, but... Um, it's selfish because it's about hoarding resources and stealing them from other people. And you have to have resources to move up the ladder, and you also have to have resources to stay alive at the end of your turn. So yeah. it's a very simple game. There's only like four or five card, different card types in the entire game. Uh, but it plays pretty quick and fun. It's one of those games, too, when you die, you turn into a zombie, and then you have to try to kill the players that are still alive. I wouldn't say it's a competitive game. Definitely a kind of sit around and have fun. Yeah, I, it was a it was a great game to play, because uh, what ended up happening is Saturday night, um, because the descent game went a little long, we decided to postpone my, um, 
my Shadow of the Demon Lord RPG that I had planned. And so we played a bunch of small, fun little games. That's where we played Monster Mayhem. That's where we played Selfish um, and, and a couple other ones. And so I actually enjoyed that Saturday night because we played a bunch of little fun ones as we were kind of dinking around. And we were all a little tired because we've been yeah. gaming pretty hard for a few days, you know. So some of these light, easy, casual games were a lot of fun. You had... Uh, you had uh, um, what was the movie in the background? Oh, I put on the the. the oh man, <laughs> 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 what movie was it? It's the one with the Tom Cruise and like he's Edge of Tomorrow. The yeah, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, you had that going had on that in the, the background. background, and yeah, you know, I was like watching that. I'm like, oh, okay, it's my turn to play, and then I do something, you know, and be like, okay, it was it was fun. It I, was a zone out, yeah, time period, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, at the end of that day, we played a game that was a lot of fun. I had a, I have a the PS4 uh, and with the VR, PSVR, and we have a game, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, right, where one person has the VR headset on, and he, in his view, he's and sitting in a Justin. dark, dank room with a bomb on the table. <laughs> it was me. And that was Justin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Justin. It yeah. was me. I enjoyed and, being the bomb guy. Yeah. And all the other people people in the room are looking at the tv and unlike other vr games where they see what, what the vr guy sees they see an instruction manual yeah and it's the guy who's sitting in, at the table with the bomb it's his job to describe what he sees on the bomb and we have to flip <laughs> through the instruction manual and try to tell him how and to it's disarm typed the bomb. in like 1950s courier font yeah it's and horrible I, you yeah. have like an 85 inch tv i thought my 75 was big and i'm like oh jason is a bigger tv than me anyway um I'm like, how in the world could you do this with a group of people without a TV that big? Because that was, I, I mean, we had to blow up the pages of the of the manual so yeah, big. Yeah, it's hard. And even then, they were still kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? And you can you can go to the website and print out the manual. A lot of people play it that way. They'll print the manual out oh. and not even look at the TV. But uh, I tell you, it uh, it we wasn't going so horribly. Well <laughs> you know, the hardest part. The, listen, the hardest part was I didn't know how to describe to you what you were looking for in the manual. Yes. I'd be uh -huh. like, all right, well, I'm looking at a module and there's some wires here. And you're like, well, what kind of wires? I'm yeah. like, well, there's black and red ones. And you're like, well, are they going up and down? Are they going left or right? Like, what's going on there? And so, like, we were – it took <laughs> us several attempts just to figure out the right nomenclature. <laughs> and you have to have together. two or three really <laughs> smart people playing with you because there's not enough time to yeah. save everyone's lives unless you're like, oh, man, we Jim Taysom. That guy, he, if he wrapped his mind around oh, a way yeah, to solve one us. of those puzzles, yeah. I just my job was to shut up and let Jim do his thing. And let him do it. <laughs> well, it was uh, it was the um, the six vertical wires with the stars and the LEDs, yes. uh -huh. like because there was the Venn diagram. There was a Venn hell. diagram. Yeah. It, was it was the worst was Venn diagram like I've ever seen in my Venn life. Diagram. And it was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but man, he had that thing locked in. He could he could glance at it and tell you what you're supposed to click. Yeah, yeah. And um, the worst for me though was not, you know, getting instructions from you. You guys figured we, we worked through that. The worst for me was the stupid <laughs> alarm clock on the desk that kept going off. I'm trying to, like, cut some wires, and it goes and it beep, 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 so beep, beep. For us, it was annoying for us. It, was, and I, and, it had been ten times more annoying for you. 
And the only uh, thing, the only thing that you could push on there was the snooze button. So it would go off in 10 more minutes. How stupid. <laughs> the, this is, the designers oh, of that game were like, let's figure out the most annoying way to punish the players. Oh, yeah. seriously. Yeah. It was good, though. We defused the bomb. We felt pretty good about ourselves. Yeah, we, we finally win got it. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, we we did. I just we remember the all the times yeah. we died. All the times we died. Oh, we died. We died a lot. Yeah. 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 There was a little preemptive <laughs> button pushing going on. Well, I'm not supposed to click that. Uh, I had all to right, figure out the button. Right. Under the bus. We didn't say push it. We just asked you what color it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite was the one where it was like the, the buttons underneath. And it was like, all right, so the word is, you know, hive. And then here's the buttons. And it says middle, right. <laughs> uh-huh. No. You know? <laughs> and so you'd be like, uh, what's the middle? Middle. And I'm like, okay, push that button. Nope. <laughs> so we were like, no, no, no. What's the button in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did that on purpose. Totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So that Good was pretty stuff. funny. Yeah. Good stuff. Why don't you tell us about some of the RPGs we played? Uh, Listen, the first one that we played was Wednesday night. I think uh, Jim kicked us off really well. We played uh, D&D 5e. Strahd must die tonight. It was essentially the uh, curse of Strahd boiled down into four hours. Yes, normally a campaign. It, yeah, which is like I don't know, eighteen to twenty-four sessions. Like you could run this if you're doing it's one a, a lot, month. Yeah. If you're doing one session a month, you're this is a two-year campaign or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we played it in four hours, and then let me tell you the best part of this game. Jim had purchased on Amazon an hour. Uh, hourglass. Yeah, a sand and, hourglass. Yeah. A sand hourglass. So you could literally watch in front of you the time <laughs> ticking away as we yes, were good. as we were debating. Should we free the girl? Should we not free the girl? Should we free the girl? Should we not free the girl? Free the girl. Let's move on. Yeah, and it was getting to the point where you're like, guys, we have to stop. I would look at, I don't know who I was looking at. Probably John. I was like, John, you need to stop talking right now. <laughs> we have to move on. I don't care what you're saying. <laughs> we're out of here. You know, and and we got well, what was it? We got to that one room where there was the fire in the middle, and there was like these little balls, right? And he and basically you would throw a ball in the fire, and you could touch the thing, and it would take you to somewhere. And we we had like twenty minutes left, ten minutes left, something like that. And people were like, "Well, the red could go here," and I'm like, "I throw a purple one in the fire, and I touch it." <laughs> it kind of gives you a bit of an excuse for some RPG, but that's kind of okay in that scenario. <laughs> Yeah, I it mean, was, time was, was running fun. out. Like, time was running out. And, it, you know, I don't, I didn't think that anybody was being too egregious. But there were some times that we were definitely taking our sweet time to we, we, figure we out We do some have stuff some and, of our uh, very good friends who get into analysis paralysis very quickly. I'm not going to name names. Um, yeah. Because, you know, uh, Justin already threw Tross under the bus. But <laughs> there are other – he's not alone. <laughs> and I do the same thing, you know, so – I'll I'll put myself oh, yeah. under the bus. Oh, I'm sure I was a culprit. Part, yeah, I was a culprit at, at several points. And I, the problem was, is for me, the hourglass was literally <laughs> in my face. It was like right there. Yeah. So I'm watching this thing go like tick, 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 tick. You know. And every time an hour would come up, Strahd would come in and he would bequeath us with one of his blessings. <laughs> like he bit my neck. And then I would I would end up um, gaining like two d six health back if I killed something with blood in it. So I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. Yeah. I'm like semi vampire, but all right, yeah. whatever. 
you know. Uh, Jason was not a fan of that. No. Was not a uh-uh. fan of me. Nope. Can I give you a gift? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, nope. And I'm like, you are not yeah, Santa sure, Claus let's do this thing. <laughs> yep. There's no Yuletide glee here. It was fun. We literally confronted him as the last grains were falling from the hourglass. Oh, yeah. So it was like mm-hmm. perfect timing. And then Jason comes in oh, with the <laughs> with the there's a there's a YouTube video out there of this guy giving an interview of a dude being hit by a hatchet and he <laughs> he goes he goes, Yeah, the guy comes up and he just goes slam, slam, slam That is literally what Jason did to Strahd. <laughs> Dude, seriously, the, I mean the paladin. I had a level six paladin that uh, he exploded. I mean, literally. I mean, it was crazy, man. I've never seen I've never seen a D and D character do that much damage. Between in one, you, you ended up attack. getting three attacks because of um, a trigger day. Uh, a trigger, uh, like, yeah, trigger an ability. Master weapon dual. I don't know something like that. Yeah, you Two got three attacks, and between those three attacks, you did over 140 damage. Yeah, it's because they critted. Like I, what I, I spent like a ton because paladins can spend spells to like add damage dice to their roll, and I had I had just said on my first attack, I was like, I'm probably gonna die. It's the only attack I'm gonna get. I did everything I could to add as much dice to my rolls I could, and I got a crit. Yeah. So all that dice got rolled twice. It was and then insanity. it triggered, yeah, and it triggered another attack because of the crit, and then I had another one for some other reason. Yeah, I think I did like 140 points of damage in one yeah, it was insane. attack. My only action during this fight was to drink a potion, and then he died. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was uh, I, I drink a I drink a uh, a bless potion essentially that gave <laughs> me like extra like to nice. try to you know be able to um, um, add to make sure I hit him, and next thing I know he's dead. I'm like, well, that was fun. <laughs> but hey, we did it. We killed yeah, Strahd. It was, fun. it was it was a good time, and uh, I think that we surprised Jim because I thought he was gonna. I thought he, I think he thought that he was going to destroy us with Strahd. Yeah, it's difficult when you put a bunch of very seasoned D and D RPGers together into a one shot, and you give them high level characters. Right. You give us you give us a level six like even I've never played a paladin, but it's like yeah. we know this game. Yeah. You know, we we know what to do and what not to do, and when to do those things. Yep. Yeah. It was good. It was good. It what was else? A great time. Uh, Thursday night, Jason, you took us through Mothership. All right, that was Thursday. Uh, Mothership is as best described in space. No one can hear you scream. It <laughs> it is a horror in space. It is, uh, you know, meant to be grisly and gruesome, and um, the beauty of this game is its simplicity. I think. Oh yeah, gosh, it is such a simple game to play, and that's why I love it. It's, I play the game out of a little, a little pamphlet. <laughs> that yep. the, the game is played out of a pamphlet. As I look at my shelf, is how many Literally. hundreds and hundreds of pages, and you know, the thick four hundred page hardbound books. And you're like, yeah, it was so fun. It's a pamphlet. I'm like, ugh. It yeah. was literally like what, fifteen pages or something like that. I mean, it was uh, it's like something super simple. Yeah. yeah, and um, and it's a really great. I absolutely recommend it. It's an indie. You can get it so cheap. Um, on Drive Through RPG, the PDFs, and if you're ever at a gaming convention where they've got it, man, just pick it up. It is so fun to play, so easy. the The thing that we did was based off of a pound of flesh, um, mm-hmm. which was a um, 
a supplement, another pamphlet, another supplement. It's kind of like a mini campaign, right? Like you can yeah. do like four or five sessions with it. And it's really, it. it's really just a setting. Um, yeah, so a it point. says, here's a giant station, the Prospero. It's a giant space station. Um, kind of like a deep space nine style thing. Um, except it's, you know, kind of run down and has seen better days and it's kind of at the end of its life. And then it, it, the different sections in this pamphlet just describe the different areas of the station. Yeah. But there's not an overall like, and then the players go here and they'll right, do this. It right. just describes it. So you just kind of you just kind of wing it. And when the players want to go somewhere, you just kind of open to that page, and you can kind of just there's encounter tables. It's very much an encounter table game. Yeah. You know, like oh we want to we want, what are you going to do now? We're now you out had given us you had given us the um, scenario where we had basically. On fumes, docked to this station because uh, we were out of out of out of fuel, right? Yeah, out of fuel, yeah. And um, our goal was to try to get fuel, but because the currency in that station was oxygen, yep. we quickly didn't have enough money, and we were basically forced into slave labor to try to earn some enough oxygen to pay for fuel to get out of there, right? Yeah. Was that something that you came up with, or was that part of this whole setting? So I came up with the base concept the starting point but the 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 setting of the station was that oxygen was the currency because okay. the station was breaking down right and um the deoxygenated people was an area of the station the people who had not been able to pay their debts uh they went to instead of debtor's prison it's like oxygen debtor's prison and so they're stuffed down to the belly of the station where they have they're basically suffocating slowly and I put you guys down. I just came up with this. Well, let's say that the upper level people are like, well, we got to fix our oxygen yeah. plants because they're breaking down. So they gave you an option. And that, that was kind of the arc, the driving arc was go down and fix the oxygen. And that's how it started. So I will say this about Mothership. If you are comfortable running out of a book, right, and knowing exactly how the story arc is going to go, um, what are the next steps for the characters? I'm not going to use the forbidden R word for you know that <laughs> says choo choo i'm not going to use that word um but if if that's the way that you're comfortable of like the book telling you like this is what happens is what happens is what happens i don't know if mothership is your kind of game no to be honest with you, you because you you've got to be able to wing it and it gives you the tools to wing it i think for sure absolutely yeah. but you have to be comfortable <clears throat> not knowing 15 minutes ahead of the players Absolutely. I only you know? knew I only knew probably two minute, two steps ahead of you. I was like, right. two but you steps have to know the, whole, the, the mechanics yeah, of and a exactly. good like, mothership game, and it, yeah. But the and that's the thing is the mechanics. No, 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 so not not the dice mechanics, learn. but the story the story beats that you, oh, you need to hit. It you, you know the mothership yes. game yeah. is yeah. not about the heroes walking away with the wind blowing in their hair at the right. last minute. That is not the game you're playing. Yeah. And and hopefully everybody who just signed nope. up knows that too. But it is it, it can be uh yeah. very it, it's a total it's just great. I'll stop talking. I uh I played a Android. This is the second time I've played an Android, right? And I played one like Data 1.0 from Star Trek, which is like not the uh, Data Cool Data 2.0 that's on Next Generation. You know, like his prototype Before essentially. So I had a weird latex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I had a weird latex face and you know, kind of weird mannerisms and stuff like that. But I also decided, uh, based on the background that I rolled up, uh, which is 
another cool thing, Jason, you had us roll up our backgrounds all together in the moment. And because it only takes like 15 minutes to do it, that was a fun part of the game. Yeah. You know, uh, so much fun. So I, I rolled up this background and I decided that I was going to be a uh, proletariat loving uh, kind of space communist android, right, for the people. And I decided that these low oxygen people were uh, being oppressed by the masters up at the space station. And when I got down to the thing, I because I don't need oxygen, I'm an android, I took off my oxygen take and I basically threw it at the people and I said, <laughs> here is your gift, free yourselves. And my party was horrified. Right, because they're like running out of oxygen, but I'm not. I don't care. And they're like, "What are you doing?" And Jason, I think you played this perfectly, and in the perfect tone of mothership, it started a riot where people were literally oh, no. tearing themselves apart to get this um, oxygen. And I'm like, "Whoa, that, that did not go the way quickly. I planned it." <laughs> yeah, we, which we pretty much did, right? We're like, "We're out of here," and of course, the whole group was so pissed off at me. You know, but I'm just like, well, I don't know. What are you supposed to do? You know, someone's been mad at an android in that kind of situation. Watch any alien movie. Oh yeah, (laughs) exactly. So it's good. The the last thing I'll say about it was, uh, and it ended so perfectly the way a mothership should. I think two of you killed two of the other players. (laughs) Yeah, I think Drew Drew killed Mike's character, on, on and you purpose, basically were the or, reason or that Jim's was, character uh, died. It was it actually? Listen, no, 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 I, of course not. I ended up I ended up trying to shoot my grapple gun, um, <laughs> but I got a critical failure, and so it swung over and it shot Jim through the stomach and grappled him to me. And it kind of prevented him from being able to climb up the wall to get out of this, like the fleshy wall to get out to the rafters. And the best, the best part though, the best part was that, um, that, uh, Drew's character had a laser cutter infused into his arm through this like weird, crazy mutation thing that was going on. So instead of having a hand, it was a laser cutter. Right, so he was wielding this laser cutter like a weapon. Well, he critical fails when he goes to attack this character next to Mike and ends up cutting out a side of Mike's side. Like he's missing ribs now and like barely misses some vital organs. So of course Mike ends up having this phobia of laser cutters. Like he is deathly afraid of them. Right. Well, Drew ends up crawling to the top, getting into these rafters to where safety is, right? But he's like, I gotta rescue my guy. So he's trying to laser cut these beams down to us so that we can climb out. And and just as Mike was climbing up, Drew goes to cut this beam and misses and literally slices <laughs> off Mike's head. So like... It was a crit- another critical fail. It was a critical fail, just as Mike was climbing up. So the last thing Mike sees... <laughs> of laser cutters is this giant laser cutter coming right at him as his head poked up into the rafters. Zonk! Cut it off. Body falls down, dude. It was just so fantastic. Holy Perfect. Crap. It was so epic. It was oh, such a great mothership. thing. Yeah, and, yeah, it was it was so great. And that's the thing, it's like everybody died pretty much pretty much. Uh Except no, I think Drew. Drew Drew made it. Yeah, Drew made it. Drew made it. Well. He had to live with his guilt, so he died inside. <laughs> but, but uh, listen, like Drew made it, but everybody else died. But you know, that's one of those games where you're like cheering at the end that we all, you know, I mean, we all died, but we all had a great time. Yeah, good stuff. 
Yeah, it was great. Uh, let's see. Friday day, I ended up running Death Watch 40K. That um, was fun. Did you like it? I did. I, I did. I say I think I liked it more than Rogue Trader because, uh, well, maybe it was a one shot though. So yeah. I liked being a in. I'll just be honest. I liked being in power power armor <laughs> for a one shot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was pretty epic. Listen, there was a moment where you guys like killed a bunch of gene stealers and you're like yeah. we're going to the engine room i mean right. you said it just like that right like it's there's no question about what your motives or things and you were just running down oh, totally. the bulkheads of this ship <laughs> i mean not hiding what you're doing no. and i'm just hearing in my mind these heavy space marine boots power armor boots clomp 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 like just yeah. hauling butt through there and i'm like dude that is a display of imperial power right there you know you guys it was fun through. when we started drew was being a little more tactful he's like all right, so we should go to the engine room. Let's think about how we do that. And I went, for the Emperor! And I just held up, ran <laughs> off down the hall. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, it was so great. It was great. And uh, uh, I know Jim was loving playing his Dark Angel character because he used to run Dark Angels in 40K. Ah, cool. And so he's like, I've just got my power fist, you know, and he just felt like ultimate power right there, you know, mm-hmm. as he was wonking uh, Eldar with his power fist. Good so, stuff. It was fun. Yeah, we had a. I, I thought we had a good time, and um, that was one that I think Christian played with us too, right? He did, and I'll say this, man. I think you did a good job um, cutting cutting the um, you know the fat away on that one because we got in there. You know, we had some role play up front on yep. what the mission was. We had some a uh, little bit of tr- a problem solving to find out how to get onto the ship. Uh, we got onto the ship, did a little investigation, went and had a combat scenario with Gene Stealers. Um, Basically, only did one more thing. Ran to the front control room and had a little uh, fight with the what, Eldar. Yep. And yep. then, uh, and that was it. And I think you know it was perfect for a one shot because you're getting a taste of the combat, you're getting some yep. role play, some problem solving, and then you're calling it a day. And it was a new system for everyone. Well, Mike had played this. You and Mike had played this, but it was a new because uh, it's essentially the same as the Rogue Trader system, right? Right, the so, mechanics, yeah. Yeah, so it was a new system for Drew, Christian, and Jim. Jim. So, I was a little concerned of a new system like also, you know. Um, but it, everybody picked it up great and we went with it and yeah, it was good. Good times. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Space cool. Marines we... are cool. It was fun. <laughs> They are. We had um, we had another D and D session, two D, two more D and D sessions scheduled. One of them had we had to cancel because the DM got sick. Um, Omar, man, we missed you. Hope to get you next time. Hope you're feeling better. Um, and then Jim had another one that was kind of at the end, and we turned it into a descent because a couple people had to had to bail out at the end. Well, um, he he right. actually didn't have a D and D session. He turned it into descent because we didn't run Omar's D and D. What he right. did do is he played his Genesis system, a Shadow oh, right. of the Beanstalk, mm-hmm. on Friday night. And I wish I could give more of a report of that. I was playing Terraforming Mars with yeah, you too. and I was in that Terraforming Mars <laughs> with you. So uh, from what I heard, uh, Drew said he liked it um, a lot. He wasn't so sure about some of the ways that like social combat and kind of like hacking combat worked he felt like they're a little contrived yeah but um i think that's one of those things that that, i mean yeah uh, uh, any any game that has hacking 
any game where you have one player grabbing kind of almost 100% of the spotlight where five other people are go back to playing, right. uh-huh. you know, Bejeweled or whatever on their phones. And I'm that's not a knock against Jim. That's just <laughs> the genre. And um, Right, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, Genesis tries to make social characters more powerful by creating a social combat system where you have talents and stuff that can make it useful um i didn't i didn't play it i don't know i can't speak for how how that particular scenario went but uh it's an rpg that we've talked about ad nauseum and i'll just leave this one thought it you can be an awesome character without carrying a big gun or a big sword and and so they 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 want to flesh that out and and um so i i one player was like yeah i didn't like it so guess what your mileage may vary yeah, yeah, well, I mean that's like anything, right? Like I was, uh, I was glad that like the Death Watch got such positive. Like Jim liked it, Drew liked it, Christian liked it. You know, um, I was expecting someone to be like, yeah, it's not really my system. Think so. You know what I mean? And I would was not going to take any offense to that because not all systems are created equal. <laughs> Numenera. Um, well, you know, and and I've played, I played multiple <laughs> sessions in that system, and you know, there's pros and cons to any system, and. If we sat down and said, well, yeah. I like this randomization element, but I don't like that randomization element, you know, that's kind of just us getting into the weeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, like Dan said, we talked, uh, we had a whole episode on and uh, and Genesis Android and um, Shadowrun. And uh, I, I like the, uh, I've always enjoyed Android when I played it, the Shadow of the Beanstalk setting. I played it at mm-hmm. Gen Con. I played it with you, Dan. Um it's a it's a fun setting. It's different though. You got to realize you're not playing a fantasy game. You're not yep. playing a purely go dungeon crawl. You're playing a you know a think critical think analysis investigative uh, type game. Um, and so I'm sure it was good. Uh, Jim puts a lot of good thought into his games when he runs them. Uh, fortunately, I was playing uh, I was playing board games with you guys at the same time. But let, I'm glad. Uh, let that me give Jim some more the, props. Uh, I mean, months ago he was. Uh, we, he had me running through some hacking scenarios with him um, that were cool. It was cool. So I know he'd his wheels had been spinning on that one game for months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Here's the thing about Jim. He totally invests in the gaming. I have, you know, all, probably all of us have had sidebar conversations with Jim as he's planning out and discussing um, games and how to make games better and that kind of stuff. He's truly a fun guy to play with. And and a testament to that is the D&D 5th edition yeah, Strahd that yeah. we played that we talked about a few minutes ago. That the fact that not only did he have this hourglass, but one thing that we failed to mention is he also had a little TV screen set up. Oh, and yeah. he had he had bought um little animated like shorts for the different sections serious? of the castle that we were in. Yeah, oh, yeah it, it was, was really awesome. Cool. Yeah. It was really cool. Really cool. Because you would look at a room and you'd be like, well, okay, I see a painting. So we were like, can we look behind the painting? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and things like that. And so it definitely, um, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our technology, you know. That was like one of our first episodes, like mm. the role of technology in gaming. Mm-hmm. I thought his use of technology and a prop right there were extremely well done. Yes, very much extremely so. Extremely well done. Very much so. And then we were going to do a uh, Shadow of the Demon Lore with you, Justin, but... Um... I, it was right at the end, man. I think. I think, I we think uh, like just like any con, if we were at Gen yeah. Con, we'd have to be managing our kind of mental energy. 
Um, and I was really fresh cause yeah. I, yeah. I, that was the end of my day two. I was only doing two days. I was like, come that on, let's do it. Let's do it. You, let's yeah. do it. And everybody was coming out of <laughs> descent or something going, uh, uh, can we just sit on the couch? <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, right. is the exact thing yep. that happens at a con, yep. a real, like a Gen Con or something. So yep. let me ask you, so let me ask you if we were going to do Guild Con again, and hopefully, you know, next year we'll have the Gen Cons, we'll have the Nova Opens. Uh, to be able to go to, um, but if we were going to do GuildCon again, would you do four oh, days I, again, or I would you do, do three days? Would, would you do a Thursday to, to Saturday? Um, this one, this one kind of came out. Same thing. It, it just, yeah. The timing was just terrible, um, mainly because you know there were still, depending on which household you're in, there were different opinions about COVID. Um, yeah. And then, yes, absolutely. Some, yep. Yeah. And we knew and that, that going that probably, in too. I mean. This I mean, was our I could attempt count to three have or four names of guys that we play with on a regular basis that probably that didn't attend at all. But that's well, ma- magic happened yep. in my right. household when my wife got invited to uh, like a four day thing at a beach with her gal pals, and uh, that's in October and right on my birthday. And so suddenly, me participating in GuildCon was not that big of a deal anymore. <laughs> Did I tell you guys that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, to, but yeah, that's awesome. Something that seemed like a complete waste of a risk, and that's so ridiculous. And you guys need to chill out, and you guys, blah, blah, blah. All the negativity turned into, well, you know. <laughs> There's something I want. That's funny. That's funny. So I would definitely do four days again. I don't, I, um, uh, I mean, I feel like I put a, a good amount of work into preparing and planning. You guys put for in a ton days. of work. I and was kind of, I felt yeah. bad because I did almost I, nothing. And I don't, I, again, Jason and I, uh, well, Jason's criticized me a couple of times about like, well, you, you know, you're, you're willingly putting in the work and I did. And I fully admit that. And I'm glad <laughs> I did. Um, because it's something I wanted to have a successful gaming experience, not only for others, but for myself too, obviously. Yes. Right. And, um, <clears throat> So I think four days was the right amount. I think what it did is there was a couple of us. There's you, me, um, and John Tross. Yeah. We were there, er, and Jim. We were mm-hmm. there. The well, time. Jim came late a couple of mornings because he didn't have to be there. But for the most part, it was us four that were there every single day for the whole day, right? Um, but the other people were able to come and go as they as their schedules allowed them to and i think that that provided a lot of really cool flexibility of people jumping into games that they normally wouldn't and um you know playing with people that they normally didn't know or whatever and and just getting a nice variety of people coming and going for different yeah absolutely and i think four days also allows for a greater variety of games too right it does And, and, and you don't feel like you have to cram everything in that's right, because really, there's only in four in four days. There's only twelve gaming blocks, right? Now you can have multiple games in each block, but there's only twelve gaming blocks to to do things with. And you know, mm-hmm. I I think that uh, four days was right. Well, that's and our Gen Con it's time. It's amazing the you things know, that days. we uh, didn't do because be, it's like oh, well, I know. We didn't I thought about that against too. Against a dealer hall, we didn't have to stand in line for an hour and a half to get this release that's only released here and and all the and all the 
we didn't have to walk a uh, half an hour to go get exactly you know, all of Chick-fil-A those things that detract from yeah. they don't really detract i i like all that crap too like i don't mind the 10 hour drive because yeah. i get to hang out with you guys in a car for 10 hours um so i, I mean i yeah, like exactly. all that stuff yeah. but at the same time as far, as far as a pure gaming experience it i mean i felt like i got you know, four days worth of gaming crammed into two in a lot of ways, <clears throat> you know, just, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, I agree. I like it. I would do four again, um, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I think I was really tired. You were very tired. Uh, you, <laughs> you probably were so showed. worn out. Friday, <laughs> Friday showed. night, dude, Friday night, I thought you were going to fall over. Yeah, so did I. I think I did. No, uh, but I mean, but to be fair, like I gained a greater, greater, even though it was just a little kind of thing at my house, I gained a greater appreciation for what it takes behind the scenes. I mean, you know, every oh, yeah. every night people would leave and, you know, I would I was probably up for another 40 minutes cleaning, yeah. you know, t- taking out the trash and that kind of stuff. And then and then up to the con, you know, I was doing the frame. Yeah, you stopped by my house stuff, to pick so up a table and it was a, a lot of fun of food and stuff like that. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were doing a lot and I think um I gained a greater greater you always knew you always know that stuff's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Um it was a good experience to be able to participate in that um and I think I think if we could do this again uh sometime in the future it'd be a lot of fun and I'd absolutely be behind it for four more days and I'd absolutely do it all over again. So the next question is when are we willing to trade some of our other convention time for Why can't uh, we do both? Con? It's a good question. Well, that's a that's a good question too. Uh, maybe because we all have finite amount of PTO. <laughs> <laughs> family PTO. Yeah, family. P- um, yes. That's my limitation. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. that's my limitation too. Is family yeah. PTO more yeah, than anything? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, because you know, we've done. I think one year we did we did three oh, conventions. Yeah. A, a, a catacon, Gen Con, but, and you guys went to Vegas. I think you did Nova that year too. I did Nova that year. I well, I was just yeah. doing the painting classes. Yeah. Ah, uh, the night times. Yeah. Yep. That was before we were playing um, Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Play by ear. I mean, here's the thing, right? It's it's not that. Well, there's a lot of work for like yeah. two of us, you and me. Yeah. It, it was really just you and me, Justin, that set I... kind of set the whole thing up, and yep. we we basically planned it and did it in a very small amount of time. It was like, hey, let's do GuildCon uh, next month. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe maybe there was like a month and a half. And I mean, in that really, it really came down to like guys like Jim and John. I mean, John brought so many games, right? Jim did a lot of prep work. I did a lot of (laughs) prep work. You did prep work in terms of games, right? Like I typed, I had my whole list of things to do for like three weeks before the run up of the thing, which was like, you know, write an RPG, write the war cry narrative, you know, get like these models painted, do all these other things. And I put that pressure on myself cause I wanted to have a good experience and I'm, I'm okay with that. But um, you're right. It didn't take a huge lift on, on a lot of people, but more people made more people would have made it even more successful. And it would have been mm-hmm. without COVID we could have had probably 20 to 30 people there. I think so. Yeah, we would not have had we enough didn't... chairs and tables. <laughs> we would have, didn't we would have figured it out. We, we would, would have, have figured we would... it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would have figured it out. No, I, I think so. getting back to the idea cool stuff, is this a, a was that a con replacement for twenty twenty? Absolutely. So glad we did it. 
And we don't always collectively go to Gen Con, and when years that we've skipped it, we usually do something very close to this. Sean Con is what we did twice. Yeah. And yeah. Both times were great fun. This this was that times yeah, 10. Yeah, blast. And I got to give you guys shout out for yeah. like having the vision, seeing it through, and providing an opportunity for everybody to have a really great time. And thanks to everybody who pitched in money to buy food. I'm like, who do I give money to? And you guys are like, well, so and so's bringing meat, so and so's bringing cheese, and you just bring, you just do whatever. And I'm like, so uh, at yeah, that time, uh, and there was gobs of food. You guys were handing out food on, on the last night, going, hey, take this home, take this home. So, I mean, I think everybody pitched in. I pitched in absolutely nothing. I contributed. Like, I lent you a table, <laughs> a single table. Um, <laughs> hey that helped that was the that entire time was but, but nonetheless the it, it, I, I, I felt like oh man i i be, because i was not involved in the planning i felt like I, there was more, more there was an opportunity to contribute more so um you know the well, takeaway for people who yeah. are listening i think is that anyone can run a con with your buddies and you yep. know if if you don't if you can't make it to a major convention set aside a couple days where you're just going to play games all day and yep. that's good enough and you'd be surprised how many games you have between you and a few friends oh yeah that you can pull together and really and have you know a great that game somebody experience. knows mm-hmm. the game yep. yeah. kind of knows the game and can talk you through it because they own it you know yep yep they're the point person for that game like i've got the dark souls game sitting right here in front of me on my shelf and I said, I'm going to be the point person for Dark Souls. Like, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to set it up. I'm going to try to walk people through it. I mean, we still had to read the rules a couple of times because it's been a while. But, um, you know, having people take responsibility for running the games um, took a lot of pressure off of me on other sessions. I didn't feel like I had to be the leader in every yeah. session. Yeah. You know, and that was yeah. that was helpful. Yep. Absolutely. Well done, everybody. Well done. Cool, I, f- I felt like yeah. a mere spectator instead of a contributor, but I'm I'm glad I was able to to squeeze in. Good times. Yeah, it's great. So next time we have a GuildCon, I think we'll let folks know. Who knows what it'll be like the next iteration? Uh, who knows what our listenership will be? Maybe we'll open it up to uh, other folks to come and play with us. So we'll see. There's way too many unknowns, but I do think that GuildCon 2.0 is somewhere in the future. And uh, anyway, thank you for listening to us tonight. Uh, we appreciate all of your support. Uh, give us a like. Give us a share. Um, do what you can to help uh, spread the podcast, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Have a yeah, great thanks night. Thanks, everybody.